Welcome to your bariatric safe space. I'm your host, Brittany with love, and I'm excited to unravel the old and celebrate the new. Let's do it. Hey, my loves. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I am so sorry it has taken so long. Um, I'm going to go ahead and apologize now. If my throat sounds a little bit crazy, if my voice crackles a little bit, um, I have been having a really rough relationship with my throat for the past um, few weeks, actually. It's been months, but it's gotten a little bit more tense these past few weeks. Um, For those of you that are new, I have shared in past episodes and on Instagram that I've been having some complications with my throat. Um, It has literally caused me to be more quiet and I'm known and have awards, not in a proud way, but I have awards for being the most talkative. I am known for being the loud one Um, and I have become the quiet friend. I've become the quiet mom, um, the quiet wife, uh, simply because my throat cannot handle a a certain octave. Um, So it has caused me to truly just be quiet um, and reserve my voice for when it matters. And as of lately, it has been so rough with the weather getting hot and cold every five seconds. Um, I find myself drinking tea every five minutes just to get my throat to where it needs to be. Um, But anyways, just an explanation if I sound different than I normally do for the new people. This is not my normal voice. Um, This is my I am on my last leg voice. Um, But I didn't want to keep you guys waiting for another episode. And this one... I feel is very important to talk about. Um, So I'm going to hop right in. Um, Again, thank you so much for joining me for another episode. If you are new, thank you, thank you, thank you. Your presence is appreciated. Um, And for all my returning fans and returning family, hey, thank you so much for joining us yet again. Um, But let's jump right in. So today's episode is titled, I Love Food. And I can tell you right now, if you are new to this space and you came from any type of platform and you just saw the title, I love food because you're a foodie and you were curious, hello, this was specifically for you. (laughs) Um, Because had I seen the name of this pie, I would have listened to it too, simply because it's like, "Mm -mm, what are we talking about? Food. (laughs) I love food, y'all, in real life. But um, this episode specifically is about finding the, the root, the traumatic root to what led to your relationship with food. Um, And what I mean by that is sometimes people have this idea about um, people that are larger, fluffier, um, fat, whatever you want to call it. And everybody just feels like it has to do with the, the fact that they are terrible eaters, that they don't work out, that they're unhealthy. And that's not always the case. Sometimes, you know, people are making good food choices, but they may be eating too much of the good food. And we all know that too much of a good thing is still a bad thing um, per society standards and and all of that. Um, But I realized that I spent most of my life being a very picky eater, a vegetarian or a vegan at some point in time in my life. There was a time where I was even a raw vegan. Um, I've gone on liquid fast. Changing my diet has never been a challenge for me. Um, however, I realized that I, in order for me to allow this surgery to be successful, I had to get to the root to my relationship with food and understand where it came from and why, um, you know, I was having these 
moments where I just couldn't, I was just eating. Like I was just eating to eat. I wasn't hungry. I was just eating to eat. Um, and it was comforting. And I know for some people that's like, okay, what's the problem? Like you're eating because you, you, you want to feel comforted, but that's not how food is set up. Food is here for fuel. Um, people like Dr. Sebi discuss this. There are a lot of um, nutritionists that discuss this. Food is not here necessarily for us to enjoy <clears throat> in the in the sense of how we want to enjoy it, um, how I want to enjoy it. Um, and this is why we have issues with obesity. Yes, food is good. Yes, it is amazing. It's beautiful to create. It's beautiful to taste. It's beautiful to experience. However, food is for fuel. It is to fuel your body to do the next activity um, for <clears throat> however long. So if you are somebody who works at night, you know, most people say, well, don't eat after nine. Or not most people, but most people say, but most people believe that, okay, you can't eat after nine o'clock because your metabolism. Yeah, but some people work at night and they need that fuel. They need that food to get them through, you know, their night shift job or they stay up late at night, you know, doing computer work. So they need something to stimulate their mind. <clears throat> so, you know, in certain cases, you can eat, you know, a meal depending on what your activity is. <clears throat> Excuse me. So for me, before I go to the gym, um, I like to have a rice cake with peanut butter on it. Now, for some people, that's not enough because they go to the gym and, you know, they're bodybuilders. So there are some bodybuilders that literally eat a full course breakfast before they go and work out and they take heavy pre-workout drinks. I'm not that person. Um, I don't need all that. Now, the reason why I, I started eating something light before my workouts um, is simply because I needed that fuel. I needed that moment of okay, I'm about to go in here and do something. And because I have a tiny tummy, I can only handle it so much <clears throat> before something happens, before I pass out, whatever the case is. Um, and because I am just prone to being lightheaded, I just like to have something on my stomach. Um, but then there are some people who, you know, will eat something and want to feel full. It, it The little rice cake ain't for me to feel full. It's literally for fuel. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that when it, it not even just based around pre-workout or the meal before the gym, just in general, I think we have this satisfaction of we want to be full and it's not about being full. It's literally about fueling our bodies. So, um, to, to pivot this, I have a friend who is really wanting to get this surgery. Um, and she went to the same doctor I went to, did the consultation, <clears throat> started the process. And then um, I checked in, I checked back in with her a few weeks later and she was like, yeah, I had to take a break um, because I realized that I have a very toxic relationship with food and I'm trying to heal that before I get in this surgery because that is something that I preach to all of my friends, to everybody on, on Instagram, to people that stop me in part. Like, yes, you have to fix your relationship with food. And I'm not saying that you have to become a vegan, vegetarian, health conscious eater. That's not what I'm saying. But you need to understand why you eat the foods that you eat when you feel the way that you feel <clears throat> during certain circumstances in your life. Why do you feel that you have to fill that moment with a moment of eating, with a moment of indulging into something that you probably shouldn't be eating um, because it is causing you <clears throat> to kind of live in that moment a little bit longer than you need to. 
Um, and what I mean by that is when we eat because we're sad, sometimes food prolongs that process of sadness because we found comfort in something. We found validation in something. And when we feel that comfort, sometimes we begin to overeat because we're still eating through that sadness because we're still sad. The void doesn't feel like it has gone away. So then we get something else to eat or we continue to eat, even though our body is giving us cues and signals and signs that say, hey, we're full. It's time to stop. No, but I still feel empty. I still feel a void. I still feel like, you know, I have to show up more in this in this arena. I'm still beating myself up. <clears throat> And we continue to eat and we continue to feed ourselves this constant uh, void filler. And that's what we feel food does in, in a moment of sadness, in a moment of depression, in a low point in our life. We use food as a filler um, for a void that is there. And that void is happiness, um, contentment, uh, very positive emotions that we use and, and that we use food as the suppressant. And that's not Okay. Um, and, and again, I am not coming for anybody that still has a relationship with food or uses food as an escape. Um, but I want to challenge you to figure out what the root of that is. So when I was talking to my friend about her desire to want to, you know, take a step back, I asked her, I was like, so let me just leave you with this. Um, I had to get to the, the bottom of my relationship with food before I got to the surgery and what I mean by that is I had to find the root. Where did my relationship with food begin? Where did it begin? And that means digging deep. That means doing your self-work. That means processing. Okay, so food was introduced to me during this time in my life. I lost a family member and it really impacted me. And I realized I started gaining weight at that point. Or um, I got a divorce or I had my first breakup and it caused me to have a bad relationship with food. <clears throat> Different things like that. So for me, my relationship with food started because uh, with my mom. Um, my mom is a very much so food lover, um, but she is is a little skewed in her perception sometimes. So my mom used food to keep me in certain chokeholds. So growing up, um, for me, my mom would make me feel like I was too big even though I was looking in the mirror and I was like, I feel like I'm small, but okay, well, you have to fit into this dress. So you need to go on a diet. <clears throat> so she would portion control my plates. Or when she felt like she was getting too big, she would put us both on a diet because she was the main cook. So we would eat off of smaller plates. And this continued, um, this kind of started as I got older, like middle school, high school area. Um, but as a kid, that was my family's love language, food. We sat at the table um, on Friday specifically, I know, because we had fish and spaghetti. Um, but food was our thing. That's how, you know, we showed love. Like when my grandmother wanted to teach us a lesson or something, she would make this cake. Um, it's called a dump cake. And, um, or it, I think that's what it's called. I can't remember. But she would make us this cake. And it was like a three ingredient kind of cake or or just the basic ingredients of a cake. And it, it was the best cake, y'all. I mean, piece of cake and all these places, Dunkin' Donuts, everybody that sells a little Debbie or a little cupcake or any type of sweet ain't got nothing on this cake. Um, I remember having it as a kid one, that one, the first time I had it. And that opened up my mind to 
food that opened up my my heart <laughs> to food because it that was my she told a story with it and the story with that cake was you know when my mom wanted to give us something a, a sweet treat we didn't have money back then we didn't have the ability to go to the grocery store and get this and get that and get icing and get all this stuff so she had to use what she had in the refrigerator and she came up with this cake recipe based off of the little bit of stuff that they had available in the house and it's not the normal stuff to this day my grandmother has passed but till this day, I can't tell you how to make that cake. Um, my grandmother never told me the ingredients that go into the cake. Um, nothing. And if she did, I was a child and I wasn't paying attention and I forgot. Um, but this cake was so good. And it was, I promise y'all, it couldn't have been more than three or four ingredients. Um, and it was it was just the love that she put into it. She literally was making the cake and telling us the story, baking it still through the whole process, sitting down, just talking to us. And she pulled the cake out, waited until it cooled down and served it to us. And it made that experience like, I will never forget that moment. I will never forget where I was. I will never forget how I felt. I will never forget the time of day. Um, it is just a core memory for me because although food was involved, it was about how I was feeling in that moment. Um, so the cake resembles pound cake. So, and my mother-in-law makes the best pound cake, like her whole family, everybody on, on my husband's side of the family, y'all, they throw down. But when they make pound cake, it brings me back to that moment. Um, if you are a parent or just a person who has seen Ratatouille, um, there's a moment where one of the food critics is sitting and he's like, make me, you know, something. And, and the chef makes Ratatouille. And it's a very interesting dish. I had to look it up. It's it's just the vegetables and sauce, essentially. Um, thinly sliced vegetables that are laid in a certain way with a, a sauce. Um, and when that food critic took a bite of that, of that ratatouille, he had a flashback to when he was a kid, the first time his mom made it for him. And, you know, he experienced that moment and he really articulated that, that flashback. And then he was, they flashed it back to his current moment um, of being in the restaurant and working and eating the ratatouille. And he was so happy. He he just literally licked the plate. Um, <clears throat> and I always think of that moment and compare it to my cake story um, and my cake moment because food for me is about the relationship that or the or the emotion that I have in the moment. It's about what's created in that moment. Um, and that's why I claim the foodie title because food for me is an experience. It's not just a void filler. Um, it's an experience. And growing up, I had a really rough experience um, when my mom was controlling my food portion sizes and so many other things. And, you know, I actually had somebody, this is the second time that she done messaged me this. Um, and each time I've wanted to say something, but I realized that some people just operate in a program and there is no point um, sometimes in putting people in their place or letting them know that, you know, you're, you're coming across very condescending and what you have to understand about people in programming, this is a side note, but what you have to understand about people in programming is people will judge you and, and judge your story based on their trauma, based on their triggers, based on their filter. And there are some times where you can't internalize that. 
You cannot allow that moment to keep you in a position where you don't continue to experience growth or you don't continue to stay in a positive headspace. Um, so the message that this woman sent me twice, <laughs> twice, um, she was saying, you know, Brittany, you got small and then you got fluffy and then you got small again. Like I've been big. I struggled with this my whole life. I struggled with weight. Congratulations on that achievement of struggling with weight your whole life. But let me help you understand something. Just because you were large your entire life does not make my story any less valuable. I'm going to say this to you. Just because you are smaller getting this surgery versus somebody who is over 400 pounds does not make your journey any less valuable. I have been demonized for being small and getting this VSG surgery compared to people who are twice my size for a long time. From before the surgery to getting the surgery to consider like every step of the way, I had people coming for me and family included, like you're not even big enough to get the surgery. I've had trolls on social media come for me saying, you're not big enough to have the surgery. Why are you getting a surgery? You can just go to the gym. Number one, screw you. Number two, I had PCOS at the time, and it was difficult for me to lose weight. It was difficult for me to keep the weight off. It was difficult for me to do so many things, and it wasn't because I wasn't making good food choices. I was a vegan vegetarian um, and eating more vegetables than anything. There was a time where I was a carbitarian. We ain't going to talk about that. <laughs> um, um, but when I was vegan vegetarian, I was gaining weight, and I did the blood type diet. I've done every type of fad diet you can think of. Atkins, Weight Watchers. My mom has taken me to Weight Watchers meetings, y'all. And I wasn't even that big. I was probably a little bit bigger than I am right now at 142. I was probably around the 160 to 170 range. And my mom was taking me to Weight Watchers things because she was viewing my life through her filter, through her trauma, because she wanted me to look and be a certain way. And when I didn't look um, that certain way. And, and when I wasn't that certain way, she, you know, was like, no, you need to get on a diet. You need to do this. And I understand now back then I was like, why is she going so hard on this? I'm not that big. Um, and then at a certain point I started to feel like, okay, maybe I am that big and I'm just seeing a very skewed perception. Um, and because of that, it, it kind of tarnished my relationship with food because I just started eating my feelings. Um, and I became bigger. I became that person. And your words are powerful as well. Um, I was calling myself fat a lot. And and my comments about my weight and my size got to people so much that they would be like, Brittany, you're hurting my feelings. And if you're hurting my feelings, I know that internally you are hurting yourself. I need you to stop talking about yourself like that. Um, and that was the, the thing to my life. <clears throat> but to go back to this comment, um, this message from this woman, um, she kept doing these jabs and they and they felt like like jabs because you know she was validating herself and dis empowering herself and disempowering me. This is the second time. Um and this happened the other day, to be fair. Um and I typed out this whole paragraph to send to her and then I stopped and I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. Um, because it doesn't matter what I say, this is going to turn into an argument because she's already set the scene that she is triggered by the fact that. To, in her eyes, I was small, big, and small. And that's not true. Um, a lot of people see your exterior. 
And they're like, oh, well, you were small. You were small in high school. You were small in this. Honey, I can show you a picture specifically when I started gaining weight. I literally was eight years old and I had on an orange shirt. I will never forget it. An orange short sleeve shirt and blue shorts. And that picture was the biggest I had ever been at that age. And I didn't realize that I was big until I saw that picture. And that picture and that photo is ingrained in my head. My grandparents, I came from New York to visit. When I tell you, I remember that picture so vividly. I remember what I had on, as you just heard. I remember what my hair looked like. I remember how I felt in that moment. And I wasn't even looking at the camera. I was. It was a picture being taken of somebody else, but I was bent over trying to get something off the table. I'm pretty sure it was food. <laughs> no judgment. But I remember seeing that picture at that young age. And I was like, oh my God, excuse me. I was like, oh my God, I am large. Like, and I didn't recognize that. And then when I showed my mom, I was like, hey, please don't post this picture. Don't share it. I'll just hold on to it. Um, She, you know, kind of was like, yeah, I'm glad that you were able to see that, you know, but let's just work on it. She always let me know, yeah, you are large, but <laughs> to be nice, I'm going to help you. Um, and that helping wasn't really helping. It was disempowering um, because I struggled with identifying with how I really looked um, exterior wise versus how I felt inside. So everyone saw, oh, Brittany, you weren't that big. You weren't this. But the things that I was being fed emotionally, mentally, made me feel like I was occupying a much larger space. So I literally can, if you, and I've said this on another episode, if you go on my Facebook, you can see the evolution of my weight gain. You can see the evolution of when I started to really feed myself the the the, the conversation and the trauma of Brittany, you're fat. Brittany, you're fat. Words are powerful. And I never realized how powerful words were until I started looking at pictures, like pictures that I've posted over the course of some time on my Facebook. And I slowly saw, you know, the transition of me getting larger. And I realized, oh, my relationship with food changed. Okay. Yeah. This year, I remember this happened. And then that year, this happened. And I started to get larger exteriorly um, or exterior wise. But internally, I, I was already feeling big. I was feeling 258 before I was 258. Um, And the reason why her messages bothered me is because you're coming for me based on what you see, but you don't know my mental state. There are a lot of times where people look smaller to you, but that's not how they feel. And sometimes their feelings are relative. Their feelings, and now if you are 20 pounds and you're talking about some, I feel fat because you gained five pounds, go sit down somewhere. You know, respectfully, go sit down somewhere. But I was always larger than my friends. I was always in the 80th and 90th percentile. You know, I have gone to doctors where doctors have told me, Brittany, you're overweight for your height, for your this, for your that. And it pissed me off reading her messages both times because I'm like, you're judging me based off of your filter. Just because you were large and in charge does not make my story, my feeling, my journey, my relationship with food, my relationship with weight loss any less valuable than yours. And the fact that you kept coming at me in a very condescending way just let me know that you are not in a receptive state to even hear my side, so I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to offer you the privilege of understanding 
where I feel that you were coming at me wrong. And and I know some people are going to listen to this and be like, no, you need to let her know. I'm not that kind of person. I, I'm not in the business of convincing anybody anything. If you want to believe what you want to believe, then believe what you want to believe. Um, you can tell yourself whatever narrative you need to tell yourself to feel validated and get to sleep at night. That's between you, your story, and your validation. That's on you. That has nothing to do with me. Um, but to come at me and say that, you know, well, you were small, got big, and got smaller, and why do you keep focusing on that? Because you're upset or you feel triggered or you feel a way that, well, you maintain the same weight for years and years and years. Okay. That, that doesn't make my journey any less valuable than yours because mentally, even though you were physically showing signs of over 200 pounds, I was mentally showing those signs. I was emotionally showing those signs and it just didn't catch up yet. It, and when it caught up, I actually, my highest weight that I've ever been was 274. And um, I don't really put that out there, not for any reason, just because I I go based off of my surgery weight, which was 258. But I made it up to 274. Um, and I actually have a picture where I wrote that out on there that I was 270 plus, And I remember getting on the scale and seeing 274 um, and... That moment for me was like, wow, you're the same weight as your father-in-law who was an ex-NFL football player, Brittany. Like, you should be embarrassed. You should not feel like this is okay because you're better than this. Um, and that's when I started doing the self-sabotage. And I I realized that a lot of people's view of you is based off of their filter. It's based off of their trauma. It's based off of their triggers. Um, and that just was uncomfortable for me. Those messages were uncomfortable for me because I'm like, you're disempowering me and kind of shitting on my journey because you feel like, well, I have much more of a story because I was large for a longer time than you, baby. That don't mean nothing. I was mentally ill. You don't see me running around here claiming being crazy. Like I was mentally ill for many years of my life. I'm not disempowering anybody who literally had to go to a mental institution or had to go to, you know, a, a psychologist that transitioned into a psychiatrist because they had to take medicine. That your story is your story. Your journey is your journey. And if you feel that you have to disempower somebody um, to make yourself feel whole, to make yourself feel validated, I'm not with that. Um, and in that moment, um, I realized that, okay, Brittany, you cannot internalize this because you have to understand people's programming. You have to understand that she is operating out of a filter. She's operating out of a trauma. Um, and I realized that, you know, that wasn't that moment for me. It wasn't a moment for me to, you know, say anything. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna let her keep healing because obviously she's missing a point where she's being disempowering. And I don't have the, I don't have it in me to go back and forth with nobody. Like I just don't, I don't even go back and forth with my kids or my husband. I don't have time. I'm being so serious. My level of peace and my ability to protect it is so like, no, I'm not going to go back and forth with nobody. I don't have, I don't have it in me. Um, nor does my voice. I just don't have it in me. Um, but yeah, I just had to share that moment with y'all because I feel like there are people that, you know, get disempowered or knocked off their block. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. There are people that get knocked off their block, um, when it comes to their weight loss journey and their, their, food journey just in general. Um, but I really want you guys to dig deep. 
when it comes to your relationship with food. I I think that the most success comes when you are completely honest with yourself. And when I mean success, I mean success in your weight loss journey, your success in changing how you view food, how you view working out, activity, physical activity, um, how you view yourself, your mental capacity. I think these things are very important to grasp before you get the surgery. Um, and I have ebooks on that as well, simply because, you know, you're entering into a new season of your life and it's easy to get lost in all of the semantics that come with VSG surgery. I have people message me about why they're scared and what they're scared about and what they're nervous about. And I'm like, so do not allow someone else's triggers and traumas to keep you from experiencing the success of the surgery. The success of this surgery comes when you take it seriously, when you realize that this is a second chance at life for you to get your mind together, to change your relationship with food. I'm not saying that you don't have to have a relationship with food because honey, there are times where I just want some ice cream and I indulge in ice cream. Now I just make healthier choices, but there are moments when I want to just have the comforting foods that I want to have to comfort me. Um, and for some people, it's like, no, I'm going to cut. And, and for a year, I did cut myself cold turkey from a lot of things just because I wanted to be as uh, zoomed in as possible um, and take advantage of the losing part of the surgery um, as much as I could. Um, until it became like a plateau, I'm on autopilot kind of thing, which is right now I've shared multiple times. I am in a two month stall and I put myself here because I was losing weight so quickly. I never got to adjust to the person that I see in the mirror, the reflection that I see in the mirror. So I had to take a step back, um, and just relax. Like I've literally been between 141 and 145 for two months. I kid you not. Um, and my goal is 135. My new goal is 135 since I surpassed my first goal. Um, and yeah, I have just been in this two month stall and I'm okay with it most days. Some days I'm not, some days I'm really hard on myself mentally. Um, but most days I'm cool with the fact that, you know, I'm taking my time. I'm having fun at the gym. I'm not going there with any type of, you know, no, I have to do, I'm just going there to, to just be involved in the gym process <laughs> pretty much. Um, but back to the food conversation. Um, yes, you, you in order and in, in mental state too, guys, y'all have to make sure that you are mentally equipped to handle these new changes. It's not only about your relationship with food, but it is also about how you move through this new space mentally, how you move through this new space with food, um, how you move through this new space, you know, just in taking yourself more seriously, really doing yourself work, because this version of yourself is not a version that you're going to be familiar with. And when you are introduced to a unfamiliar territory, it's easy for you to get nervous. It's easy for you to cower and say, no, I don't want to do this or to self-sabotage in that moment or to find something that's familiar, to find something that's comforting, to find something that can help you feel normal and balanced. And sometimes it's not about that. 
Sometimes you have to fully be new in this unfamiliar space and equip yourself to understand, okay, so in this moment, I am feeling very emotional. And instead of turning to food, I am going to go take a walk. Or I am going to turn to food, but instead of eating the regular ice cream that I would get, I'm going to intentionally go to the store and look for a sugar-free, low-fat, low-calorie, whatever, you know, healthiest version of ice cream that I can find. And that's fine. You know, I I have pivoted my mindset to if I want it, I'm going to eat it, but I'm going to find the healthiest version of it. So number one, I feel like I'm taking myself seriously, but also my body knows that I love it. And I love this home that I have created. I love this space that I've created for my body. However, I still want that ice cream. I still want that Oreo. I still want that that beef rib. Like I still want that. But instead of that, I'm going to find an alternative, a healthier alternative. Um, and I had somebody message me about, you know, being Mexican and not being able to indulge in her cultural foods. And I was like, just find healthier ways to to make it. It may not be what you're used to, but you're also stepping into a new phase of your life. You're just going to have to find alternative ways to still enjoy the flavors without the fat, without the high cholesterol, without the calories, without, you know, the sugars. And I'm Caribbean, so I understand there are many foods that I had to cut out, not because of the fat content, calories, or anything of the sort, but because of the spice. I can't handle spice anymore. My stomach, literally, if it's even a mild hot sauce, you better not let me see no type of pepper because I won't be able to handle it. Y'all, I can't even eat jalapenos. <laughs> I can't have hot sauce. I can't have red sauce. My body does not uh, mesh well with sugar. Um, it's bad. Like it, it puts me in a really, really bad space in my body, in my tiny tummy. Um, and I have just learned to listen to my body more listen to the cues um, or read the cues that my body is giving me like, no, we're not, we not rocking with that. We don't want to do that. We don't, we don't want to eat that. Um, no, that doesn't, it tastes good, but it's not digesting well. So I have learned to really take several steps back and be more conscious of the foods that I'm eating. Um, yes, by choice, but more so because there are some things that my body just can't do anymore. My body just can't handle. Um, so yeah, I urge you to truly sit with yourself and get to the root of your food relationship. Where did it start? What situation, person, or thing began this relationship with food? Um, and what ways can you improve in that area? What ways can you shift your perspective and your relationship with food to be successful in your weight loss journey. That is all I have for you guys today. Um, I hope you got something. I know I was rambling a few times just sharing personal stories, but I really hope that you um, got the meat and spit out you know, the bones that you didn't need. Um, and I hope that I get to see you next time. Y'all, oh my gosh, I hate the word hope. I really do. <laughs> Y'all gonna come back next time. I'm just having faith. <laughs> but anyways, thank y'all so much for tuning in. And I am excited to catch your presence on the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. I hope you learned something, laughed a bit, and gained a level of peace in this new journey. Remember to extend grace to yourself. Until next time, friend.